Brick and Mortar Reporter, Episode 132. Hey there, localists. This is Nick Unsworth of Life on Fire. Welcome you to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. Today's podcast is jam-packed with tips, strategies, and the motivation you need to take your business to the next level. I'm excited about what you'll learn from today's interview. And don't forget that choosing local when you have the opportunity is vital to your community. So now, let me introduce your host, Christy Hostler, with today's interview. Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy, and I'm so glad to have you with us today on this journey, this crazy journey since I quit my job in South Carolina and moved to Key West. And I'm telling the story of me rebuilding my life, rebuilding my income, walking away from the golden handcuffs of the six-figure job, and starting back at zero again. Talk about scary. We've had a few fun times, and that's what this podcast is all about, mixed in with a little bit of interviews from other local business owners so you can hear their stories of success. Today's episode is sponsored by Team Podcast. So if you have a podcast or are thinking about starting a podcast and you need help, you need some of the support tasks done, you need show notes done, you need audio editing, maybe you need some graphics done, any of those task-related support services for your podcast, Team Podcast is the one-stop shop to get it all done. You get all-inclusive packages for one price every single month based on how frequently you podcast. So it's a very simple concept, but it keeps you from being nickel and dimed for every service that you want to go out and individually outsource, and it also keeps you from having to manage multiple people. You deal with one account manager, and everything else along the way gets done. So teampodcast.com for all of your podcast support services. Now, today I wanted to take a couple of minutes and give you some updates uh, coming from the pier. And uh, we're now, you know, like a week or so into season. I said that in quotes. You can't see them, the air quotes. We're a week or two into season, and I kind of wanted to tell you what my first impressions are and at the same time give you a few updates. Now, the first thing that we're dealing with is the um, the pier construction. There is some construction in the parking lot that we've normally been using for the last month. And it was, well, it was it's a little bit more than a month now, so it's been about... Uh, I think January 4th is when they started it. So we're coming up. We've just hit the six-week mark, and then we've got another two weeks. It appears at this point that the construction is on target, and our date to be able to be back in to coming in our normal way is March 2nd. So when that happens, um, it really is going to cut a tremendous amount of time, about an hour off of my time every single day. Uh, Because as you know right now, I have to pull my card in, and unload everything, and then go drive around town until I can find a parking place, which is getting harder and harder to do in the busy season, but that's a good problem to have. And then wherever I find a parking place, I can park my car, and then I have to ride my bicycle back to the pier. Then I work for several hours in a frenzy, and then I have to get on my bicycle and remember which way <laughs> which way I parked and what parking lot or what parking space I occupied that time. So it really it's a good it's a good brain test for me to be able to remember from two hours ago where I parked whenever I was in such a hurry. So it definitely will be nice to be able to pull in the parking lot, unload, park the car right there in the parking lot, and then whenever I'm done be able to, you know, go get the car right there and bring it back around and and load up. And the other thing is there's been a couple of times that I haven't 
remembered something in the car that I needed to get. The other day I, I got out on the pier and my first order was for ice cream. And I was like, yeah, people ordering ice cream early. That's awesome. And I opened up my um, doer for the liquid nitrogen and my cryo dipper where I dip out the things that, that the little dips that I use for the make the ice cream it wasn't in there and the reason it wasn't in there is because I have to take it out when I fill up the liquid nitrogen and then when you put something back in the liquid nitrogen that's now not frozen it causes it to boil over and you lose that amount of liquid nitrogen so I try to keep them out until a day or so after they've uh, you know been filled so that it can have time to settle down from the top it vapors off a little bit and I can put that cryo dipper in without it boiling over well I open it up there was no cryo dipper so I had to pick up the 10 liter doer and pour in the liquid nitrogen to make the ice cream and as soon as that was over I was like I got to get on my bike and go back to the car and get that cryo dipper. It's going to be a long night. So it does make it more inconvenient not to just be able to go and restock any supplies, any cups, napkins, spoons, or anything like that that you might have in the car as replenishment, but you don't have it right there at hand in case you have a busier night than you thought. You know, you only have so much room on your food carts. You've got to kind of plan a little bit uh, well as far as knowing what you're going to sell that night, and if not, be able to go back and get more from the car so that's going to be nice whenever that opens up and that is going to be apparently on track at this point at least we haven't come up with any of the delays but I guess construction delays are always last minute anyway so we're now a week into um season put it in air quotes and it was it's interesting because um I really I thought that whenever season happened that it would bring out vendors out of the woodwork I mean I thought that every vendor that was qualified to be down there that I haven't ever even seen before would be you know February 15th rolling down to the pier to make their money now there are some that you know have come sporadically through some busy times in the off season or in the you know the the lower season um, that I've seen show up consistently um, for so far the the week or whatever of season, but the interesting thing is is that not as many people as I thought were sh- going to show up, and I don't know really why that is. It seems that there is a little bit of um, I don't want to say fickleness, but a little bit of trying to anticipate the right conditions, the right weather conditions, whether people are going to buy or not. Is it a buying crowd? And some people only show up when all of those conditions are right across the board. They show up, they have a bang-up night, and then they walk away and you don't see them for another four or five days. You know, obviously they have a much um, lower threshold for what they need to make to survive. And, or, you know there might be other reasons for them not coming back for several other days. But anyway, we've had good turnouts mostly. We did have a ship blocking sunset on Monday night, and uh, that kind of made business not be as good. Once the ship cleared, it was okay. And then we also, I had, you know, like I say, I had a bang-up night on the weekend. On Sunday was the first day 
into uh, the season part of this year. And the other nights have been um, definitely okay. They have been um, minimum, getting me at least the minimum of what I need. I have had, you know, $150 nights. I've had $160 nights, $175 nights. And so that's okay. I can deal with that. Now, the other thing is, is that we've had some cold weather here in Florida and I have to snicker when I say it because it's down to 50 something degrees and uh, the the thing that makes it so bad is that there is 20 to 30 mile an hour winds and no matter what you have whenever you're not on the pier uh, wind wise when you get out on the pier it's even heightened that much more so last night I went down to the pier and I was uh, one of the only food vendors down there for a while I was the only vendor down there a few started showing up a little bit later, but we ended up with two food vendors, and uh, I ended up having a, a really good night. I sold mostly coffee, but I was surprised that I still sold some ice cream, and people would be freezing and complaining about being freezing and sending spouses to go get buy sweatshirts or get a jacket or something like that, but they would still stop and order ice cream. So I guess it goes to show that even if you have to wear mittens, it's worth eating ice cream. For so, but the good news is, once those people ate ice cream and got even colder, many of them wanted coffee, and so I was able to sell a bunch of coffee and uh, ice cream and make a great night out of it. I do have a couple of events that I'm looking at trying to get into February 28th and also March 7th. Um, there's one I'm on the waiting list for for March 3rd, maybe it's the 3rd, maybe it's the 1st. Yeah, I think it might be March 1st that I'm on the waiting list for. A standby list, I guess, is what you call it. And I'll know whether or not I'm going to get there. And there are several other things as we get into spring where people are having great events and they'd love to have you come as a vendor. Now, these events do cost more. And they cost more than the normal $20 a night that I'm getting, you know, paying right now at the pier. So I really have to kind of take into consideration the cost of the booth versus how much I would have to do to recoup that and see what kind of traffic I need to get. Being new to so many events, I kind of feel like I need to try most of them at least once so that I know for me whether my product sells and whether I can get the traffic I need. I can. It's just like being um, down at the pier. I can take somebody else's word for it, but their product may be different. And they might have a really good night when I would have a really bad night. And so, um, so many of these festivals and things that I can get into, um, I'm going to try them once because I feel like it's worth the investment of doing that and trying to just feel out. Um, The other thing about being in local things in town is you do get to meet local people and you get introduced to people that may want you to come and do an event. They may want you to come and be at a uh, private party or something like that. So it's always a good opportunity to get out and circulate in the local community as well. So I'm working on that. Um, feeling optimistic that at this point um, I can survive for a while. Um, by When I say that, by making the money I need to make. And I feel like the same um, type of products that I sell, like uh, the cold weather type products, um, I mean, sorry, the cold type products for hot weather will actually do better. I feel like I'll sell more ice cream in the summer than I will in the winter. And 
there's another vendor out there that sells uh, really fruity cold pineapple drinks. And she finds that in the summer, you know, her nights are fantastic. And that's her busiest time. And it's like she said, you go from that and all of a sudden it just cuts way down. And, you know, it's like a water spigot. It just turns off whenever it's um, slow season. And the interesting thing is I know already based on what I've been through, that this coming September or even August or whatever the time frame is, is going to be much different than last August or September or October for me. Number one, I've got killer products that should sell in any situation. Um, Now, granted, the volume might be less, but it doesn't take a ton to make what I need to make to, to get out my bare minimum. At the same time, I know what September and October and November are like, so I'm going to go ahead and try to make sure I have a uh, bit of money put aside to cover my expenses during those months so that the pressure is not on. And if I need to pick up another job or pick up another bit of work somewhere, I can always do that knowing I can supplement it. So I already feel so much better about coming into this, the fall of 2015, than I did starting in the fall of 2014 because I feel like I've learned so much and I've gotten my stuff worked out. The interesting thing is, and this is kind of a lesson for all of us, I was able to start at a time when probably no one would ever recommend that it's a great time to start. But in my mind, it is a great time to start because I didn't, you know, most food vendors, and and I don't know if you've ever taken on a food cart. I run into people all the time at Mallory Square who say, oh yeah, we, we live in upstate New York and we have a cart at whatever place or, you know, and they, they do the food vending. And so if you've ever had this type of thing um, in a different type of venue and you've set up a cart and you've done some of the traditional, you know, whether it's funnel cakes or, or whatever it is that you do, um, it's still going to be very different than Mallory Square because it's a quick event, people are walking through, they're on their way to their next thing, and it's a little bit of a conundrum to figure out. What generally happens with food vendors is they come in, they try one type of food, whether it's a fish taco or a burrito, we've even had people come in with salad bars, we've had people come in with ice cream sandwiches, homemade ice cream sandwiches, which I thought was a great idea, but not so much for winter, I guess. But the... um, interesting thing is is that most of these people come in and they have this one idea and they have this one recipe that they can make and they try it and they might give it a try for a little while and there's even been some that have given it a try you know that the chef guy that came in I saw the other day he has his food cart for sale so clearly he's not wanting to be down using that to generate his income but you know here it is a trained chef and he Worked on making his dishes. They didn't sell. Didn't make the money he needed to make. He reinvented himself. Still, he didn't come back with something that could work. Normally, it takes at least several incarnations of what you want to do as a food vendor to find what will work and what will sustain you um, monetarily. And it's interesting to me that, number one, most people are not prepared for that. Most people are not prepared for what will be the next thing that I do if I can't do this. And I don't mean do something else as far as work, but what is the next product I'm going to make in my food cart? If this doesn't work, what will it be? And the thing is, 
no one on the no one on the participation committee or people that are juring you in know if a product is going to work or not. They can just tell you that it meets the criteria because it's homemade or that no one else is selling it, so it's okay for you to sell it, and your cart meets the guidelines. And based on those three things, that that's no bearing on the success that you need. And so even, you know, at this point, there is the, the most recent vendor has come in is doing crepes, and uh, the cart is not really a venue, cart set up for a venue like we have. It's an enclosed cart with no air conditioning in it, so it's got, like, walls and a door and a window in it. And so here you are at sunset, which is in many times the, uh, you're going to be out there in the hottest part of the afternoon and trying to serve hot food and crepes to people uh, and there's some issues with signage and people not knowing exactly what they're selling and all this kind of stuff. But it just, um, it amazes me that people are not more willing or not more prepared to reinvent themselves. So with that being said, um, starting at the low season was the absolute perfect time. Now, there were several people that started kind of about the same time I did. And one of them never reinvented her food and had a very high cost of uh, overhead for her products. Anything with, like, fish, um, despite what you think, we have a lot of fresh fish in the this area, and it's delicious, but it's not cheap. It's still, you know, fifteen ninety nine a pound for yellowfin, um, yellowtail snapper, and, you know, nineteen ninety nine a pound for mahi-mahi, and all this, uh, you know, other fresh fish is delicious. But you can't go out and spend you know, $100 a night getting the stuff you need to prepare and then sell two of them and make $20 and that just barely covered your rent. Now you're in the hole, you know, still $100 from the night. And so people aren't really prepared to reinvent or prepared to tweak things. And so uh, I guess for me, using this slow time, even though I wasn't really prepared for it, I'm definitely thankful for it in hindsight because it allowed me to figure out and really think much deeper about my product line than I would have had I walked in and been successful with the first thing. And because of the fact that I wasn't going to give up, because of the fact that I wasn't going away, um, I have now gotten to the point where people are pretty much leaving me alone and they're letting me do my thing. And you kind of, after a while, you become like a fungus and you kind of grow on people. And at least you're not, um, you know, they know you're not going away. And so they give up and quit trying and figure out that they're going to be better off just focusing on their own business. But when I think about what could have happened to me, if I had started at a time whenever the busy season was going on, and my products did well enough to get me above the minimum threshold that I needed to make to live every single night. I'm not talking they did fantastic, but they got me above the minimum. What would have happened is I would have seen that as the minimum thing, well, I can live off of this. But what would have happened whenever the slow season kicked in? There I would have been without much reserves because I was just making the minimum of what I needed to live on without really even being prepared for the drop-off and what was I going to do then. And it could have been, I mean, what could have happened is that I had, you know, nine or ten months of disaster instead of, you know, the four or five that I had. And so it's just one of those things where I look at the timing of it and really... 
in my opinion, there needs to be a huge push to try to get people to come in and figure it out. And there needs to be a push to try to get people um, real information about coming in as a food vendor down at Mallory Square because there is such a lack of it. And it's hard for the food is the hardest category it is the hardest to be successful in at the same time you're selling things at such low price point you have to do a lot of business in order to make your living and it's hard when you're making your living three dollars at a time with a cup of coffee and so I think more people I mean people just assume because there are scads of people down there every single night that no matter what you throw in front of them they're gonna it's gonna stick and that is not the case at all and so uh, I'm very, very, very thankful for the opportunity to start during the low season and tough it out and figure it out. And I'm not saying I have everything figured out because I will always be tweaking things. And I've even gotten some ideas for some really cool um, gourmet-type uh, ice cream recipes that I'm going to try some for different flavors that I'm going to be adding uh, just as a way of giving something different that you won't get everywhere else. And so gonna going to be doing that and hopefully enjoying uh, people's reaction to trying the new flavors and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's a tough job to have to taste everything and make sure it tastes good. So uh, it's just part of the job, and I've just got to suffer through it. So anyway, um, but so those are some good lessons that I have learned in the off-season and um, extremely valuable. And so now as I'm facing, you know, the downhill slide into the rest of our year and really it just it's amazing to me that we're almost two months into the new year it's crazy we're almost two months into the new year where are you on your goals luckily I'm to the point in my goals where I'm starting to meet some of them I'm starting to get some other things going on that I've been had on the back burner I'm starting to do some of those things but time is going to fly and February is going to turn into May and May is going to turn into September and before we know it, another year will have slipped by. So um, I'm very, very thankful for the, the difficult times and the lessons that I've learned because I think they'll be invaluable to me as we face the new year and that, that we face the new season. And I've actually had some um, decent relationships that have been established because of the struggle and because I wasn't willing to just not show up anymore and it's interesting to me because when you're hungry you show up every night and you don't just show up and go uh I, I'm not going to show up tonight because I'm only going to make a hundred dollars well making a hundred dollars is still a hundred dollars more than you had and for me whenever I went from some nights not knowing whether I was going to make enough to pay my rent um at the pier the $20 a night, you know, are thinking you could end up negative, you know, I'll still take $100 positive any day over the rest of it. And so it's just, it's only up from here. And I'm going to continue to tweak things and really um, find some cool things to um, add in and, and continue tweaking my products. I could not sell the same exact thing the same exact way for 20 something years and not try anything new. So I'm just not that type of person. I guess I have ADD when it comes to that sort of thing. So, so thankful for those lessons learned in the lean times. It's taught me a lot and I'm going to use those lessons to try to maximize what I'm doing in the off season or in the busy season, uh, look, using those lessons from the off season. They're hard, but gosh, were they valuable. Now I see some peers at the pier, uh, 
P-E-E-R-S, at the P-I-E-R, that are, they're, they're doing their struggle right now. Uh, the burrito guy that had it in for me, he is, he's not doing well with burritos. And it's sad because if you can't do well with a product when you have this many buyers down in front of you, it's definitely time to tweak your product or to figure out what it is you're doing. Um, there are several pieces of feedback that, that could easily be given, uh, but when you're not open to them, people won't give them. And so um, it's it's interesting to watch how others deal with things. So needless to say, I'm optimistic about the busy season, and I am going down there as many times as I possibly can. Now, I went through down last night and suffered through, and I know you're going to laugh at me whenever I say this because the rest of the world is like in negative degree temperatures, but 64 degrees with 30-mile-an-hour winds on the pier. It really is no joke. Um, it's hard for me to keep coffee in a coffee cup, even whenever I'm trying to pour it from one container from the French press into either the thermos or dispense from the thermos to the <laughs> to the cup. It blows everywhere. Um, I You get hit in the face with your food anytime you try to eat anything, and so it's not a great environment. The cold is part of it, but it's that wind, and so tonight is even more brutal because the highs today are only going to be 60. 60 degrees will struggle to get to that in the middle of the day, which is highly unusual for Key West, and we're also going to have um, up to 30 mile an hour winds. So I think there's going to be even less people down at the pier tonight than there were last night, and I think there were only eight of us down there last night. So um, maybe tomorrow night will be a better night down there, and then we'll head on into the weekend and do uh, as much as we can do. But uh, there are going to be those nights when you just say this is not helpful for anyone to be down there, and having people get hit in the face with ice cream and coffee and other things is not most people's idea of a good time. So uh, today we're sitting out because of the weather. And then hopefully uh, we'll see what tomorrow holds. Um, But the weekend does look definitely brighter. So we'll figure it out. But the good news is we're on the right track. And it's like I finally feel like I can actually breathe a little bit and know that um, I've I've got this and that it'll, it'll be okay. And that we'll keep tweaking and we'll keep doing what we need to do. I will say that splitting my portion sizes into small and large has been absolutely probably besides changing products one of the most brilliant things that I've done to help increase my profit margins and increase my overall revenue and um, for those of you that missed that episode I used to serve a 16 ounce cup of coffee and an 8 ounce cup of ice cream and the 16 ounce cup of coffee was $3 and the 8 ounce thing of ice cream was $5 I tried it originally at $8 but because that was the only price point people didn't really seem to go for that as often and I did a you know a little test beta test and when I bumped it down to five dollars it's like it broke open the numbers on my um, ice cream and so by but by what I did is I took the coffee and now I have a 12 ounce cup that's three dollars and my 16 ounce cup is four dollars so I'm getting an extra dollar for that extra four ounces and then my uh, ice cream is as small as a six ounce which is five dollars and large as an eight ounce which is eight dollars and the interesting thing is I can use a third less liquid nitrogen from a small to a large which makes a huge difference and um, I'm also using less of the base products and and everything stretches further and so at the end of the day um, my profit margins are much healthier because of those changes that I made to my sizes and you know it's interesting as I see this on the restaurant shows that are on TV one of the first things 
um, many of those experts will do is come in and look at like, oh my gosh, look at the amount of food you're putting on people's plate. That's way too much food. And I was doing the same thing, um, but not realizing it. So now that I have a small and a large option, I still sell a fair amount of large uh, coffee and large ice cream. But people are paying a premium for it, and nobody at all has even batted an eye at a small being $5 and a small being $3 for the coffee. So um, those were excellent changes, and it's a a little more um, custom to what people want. Because if they just want a little taste of ice cream, they're going to pay $5 for it. So anyway, it's a great great. you know, tweak that I did, and I, I want to find some more of those tweaks to really uh, increase prof- profit margins. People are trying to get me to also jury in cookies so that I can do like brownie sundaes and do some other cool things with cookies. I'm toying with it, but not completely sold because of the amount of time it would take to bake and make cookies. So, thinking about it though, we'll see. Anything we can do to drive profit margins, I think, will be fantastic. So, trying to also come up with toppings that are not uh, labor-intensive or costly. One of the toppings I'm going to have to discontinue is my Heath Bar topping because uh, for a bag of the Heath Bar crumbles, it's now like $22. And I just don't want to add that as a flavor whenever it's so costly. It's like putting truffles on your ice cream or something because it's so expensive. So I'll use other fruit-flavored toppings and, you know, other chocolate-type toppings that we can... Uh, mix in and make flavors out of without going in the direction of the Heath bar. So looking at some of those type of things to, again, stretch my profit margins as much as they can and still give a great product. So kind of exciting, get to play around, get to experiment. And now I've got people that are actually buyers that I can experiment with. So it's a good time. It's a good time to be at the pier. And uh, I appreciate you following me on this journey. This episode is sponsored by Team Podcast, and Team Podcast is the all-in-one, inclusive, everything-you-need support service for all of your podcast tasks. So if you need anything done supporting your podcast, whether it's audio editing, whether it's, whether it's your show notes, whether it's doing graphics for your social media and getting them posted and promote all of your shows and anything that you need done for your podcast can be gotten at teampodcast.com in an all-inclusive pay one price get all the services included and you don't get nickel and dimed and then you don't also don't manage eight people every single time you need one task done so go to teampodcast.com if you need any support services you'll find them reasonably priced and i hear that right now they're still signing up the introductory group and so there is a special break on some pricing so Go there, take advantage of it, teampodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey, and I know that we've seen ups and downs, and I'm glad that we're seeing more ups now than downs, and I I appreciate not having to cry every day on my podcast, and uh, (laughs) I'm just glad that you have joined me and that we're able to look back and learn some lessons and take some things that other people can very possibly learn from the experience and so some of these details are mundane but I appreciate you following along and actually caring and I appreciate you hitting me up on Facebook and uh, tweeting me and other places to um, encourage me and lend me your support so you guys go out and make it a fantastic day all right thank you for listening to the brick and mortar reporter podcast 
I'm Nick Unsworth of Life on Fire, reminding you that building your business happens step by step. Whether you're just starting or growing your business, use what you heard in this interview today to build a strong foundation for your business. Make sure you don't miss a single episode by subscribing to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast in iTunes. And remember, when you have the choice, choose local. 